You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. My mother was a great mother. She was a godly woman. She was a loving woman. Uh, she also was uh, suffered from depression, and uh, so we went through some some things as as you would could guess uh, with, with that, including one time uh, she had gotten so depressed after uh, my my father divorced her uh, that she sat all three of us, my my um, brother, sister, and I, she sat on a railroad track uh, in, in Missouri and uh, waited for a train to come. She all just three of us, All three of us with wow. her. And she did so because she just felt she couldn't live any longer and didn't want us to suffer. And, and I know that sounds a little crazy, and it was, because she was suffering from a, a, an emotional illness. Luckily, she got off that track, and she ended up going into a, a, a mental hospital in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, where uh, she stayed basically the rest of her life. When I was 17, uh, my mother uh, took her own life. She Her depression had gotten the best of her, and she took her own life. On January 31st of 2009, um, 45 minutes after the a breakup with his girlfriend, my son, my only son, Eric, took his own life. He was a student at Columbia University, brilliant. He had just had the best first semester ever. He was on the dean's list. He was on the student council at Columbia. He was playing in the jazz uh, band. He was a jazz pianist. He just was having the best time. But his girlfriend broke up with him. He didn't know how to handle that. And again, 45 minutes later, he was gone. And at that point in time, our world's shattered mm -hmm. into pieces. We did not, I did not know how to process that at all. Uh, and of course, then it brought back my mom. Of course. And so what, what did my mother and my son have in common? Me. So the guilt. A common denominator. Common denominator. I felt guilt about my mother's death. Maybe I could have saved her. I felt guilt about my son's death. What, what, how could I have helped him to know how to manage these situations in life? Um, and I, we've, we, fell, we both fell apart. That kind of sudden loss, that kind of affliction tears at our heart and soul. That's recorded from our Life Support podcast that we produce here at Ridgewood Church. And in many ways, we're all going through trauma together. Because COVID-19 has changed our lives. And it's changed it in some ways that we weren't expecting. And even if we can get a handle on this thing, we all kind of know we're going into a new normal. It's been a devastating virus. 135 million cases worldwide, 3 million deaths. There's been 223 countries affected by this. And so it truly is a worldwide phenomenon. And along with the physical suffering, there's this emotional baggage that comes with it. There's the anguish of job losses. There's the heightened mental illness risks. Families and churches are divided about mask wearing. And our medical professionals have never dealt with anything like this. And so they're not sure what to do at times either. And in short, it's been hard on everyone. But here we are as Christ followers. And we're looking around and we're seeing all of this happen. And we wonder, what do we do? Because people in our sphere of influence, they're asking questions. They're asking, why did God do this? Where is God? Is God really powerful? 
And so the question we're going to grapple with this morning is, God, if you care, why did you allow COVID-19 to ravage the world? Or someone might put it, where are you? Because it's been so difficult. And when we're finished, I want you to be compelled in the midst of this pain and suffering to run to the arms of God and nowhere else where you can find what you need there. Because I know that once you're in his arms, he'll never, ever let you go. Now, when affliction strikes, it can surprise us, but God is definitely getting our attention. So if you would, let's take a look at a passage written by a man who understood affliction. It's Psalm 119, 65 through 67. So grab a phone or a Bible or an app or whatever you might have to find that passage. Psalm 119, 65 through 67. Psalm 119 is really long. And so these verses are kind of in the middle of that psalm. Now, if you're old enough, and it's even weird to say that, you may remember 9-11 as if it was happening yesterday. And you remember how people flocked to church. Churches were packed for weeks. I remember I was pastoring in Tucson at the time, and we had a prayer time at our church every single morning for weeks after that because people's their security blanket was gone they weren't as safe and secure as they thought they were and so they were looking for places to go they sought peace and here the author of this particular psalm it might be david it could be daniel it could be ezra wrote it for a reason They're in a season of affliction. And he became even more devoted to God during this time of suffering than he ever had before. Look at verse 65. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Those are powerful words. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. And as we've moved along in this series that we call God, Do You Care? We've dealt with the existence of evil. We've dealt with the existence of suffering in our world and and how a loving God could collide with that. Last week, Pastor Neil did a fantastic job unwrapping the idea of justice in the the injustice that we see around us. And today we're going to deal with COVID-19. But the one constant theme through this entire series has been the sovereignty of God. And it's so important that we believe in the sovereignty of God because there's where many of our answers are found. King Solomon, in the book of Proverbs, was absolutely convinced of the sovereignty of God. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. He was convinced that God is in control. There there was no doubt at all in his mind. And that is such good news because 
this virus can't kill as many people as it wants. It can't just go off and do whatever it wants because God is in control at the end of the day. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to give you three things that I believe that God is doing through COVID-19 to help you understand why he would allow this virus to invade our world. And the first is this. COVID-19 can cause you to seek a deeper relationship with God. It can cause you to go deeper with the Lord. And again, those words, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, now I keep your word. Affliction turned this author toward God. And in the midst of this very long chapter, the longest chapter in the Bible, what we see is a heartfelt love for God, a commitment to learning more about Him, a commitment to His Word that ended up shaping His worldview and His conduct. And that's the goal of this psalm, to do the same for us, that we might learn to be more like Christ, that we might run into the arms of God. And the catalyst for all of this in his life was affliction. And so that goes against our senses here in 2021. But it created a chance for him to run to God. Now, if this author is David, we know that his life was full of affliction. It was full of suffering. Sometimes his own doing. Sometimes not. We think of when he was running from King Saul. I don't know if you've had a chance to visit Israel, but you can see these caves in Engedi. And he just ran from cave to cave like an outlaw. He, he slept with Bathsheba. And that caused irreparable harm. He had to murder someone to cover it up. It, his kingdom was never the same after that. His son Absalom rebelled against him. And David even had to deal with deadly plagues. His life was full of affliction. It was full of pain. But the author of this psalm, if it is David or the other men, knew that because of these struggles, he could seek God at a deeper level. David writes about this in Psalm 63.1. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David, through all of these things that were happening in his life, thirsted for the living God. He knew that this is where he needed to go. This was his heart's desire. And so affliction was turning him toward the Lord. And affliction is affecting so many people around us in so many different ways, and it's affecting each person in this room differently. And, and you may have a common experience with someone else, or your experience may be absolutely unique. But people are losing jobs. They're seeing loved ones get sick. They're losing people that they know and love. And so we ask, why would God even allow that? Why, why is, where is God? Well, we all have a decision to make. If indeed God is beckoning us to come closer, then we must decide, are we going to take him up on his offer and move closer into his arms, or are we going to back away and try to do this ourselves? 
And I think we will find that it doesn't work. Charles Spurgeon, amazing preacher from the 1800s. He was known as the Prince of Preachers. And he wrote this about affliction. He, he knew that affliction was better for him than even the good times of life. He said, often our trials act as a thorn hedge to keep us in the good pasture. But our prosperity is a gap through which we go astray. And I love that imagery. What he's saying is, is that this hedge of affliction keeps us in the proper pasture where we are safe, where we can feed, where we can be watched over. But when good times come, we think we can do it ourselves. And so we wander out of that pasture. And Spurgeon knew about suffering. Spurgeon preached in this old theater that one day burned to the ground and many people died as they were caught in a stampede and in the fire. And he struggled with depression the rest of his life. So he understood affliction. He knew what it felt like. And he's still saying to us here, hey, it's good to suffer affliction because it keeps me in the right pasture. So that's the first reason that I believe COVID-19 was allowed by God to come and be a scorn here in our nation and around the world because it draws us into a deeper relationship with Him. Secondly, COVID-19 can cause you to long for heaven, to long for where you really belong and not here. And this very real enemy, I believe, has heightened our senses as to what, where we really belong. I know for the Apostle Paul, he knew that. In 2 Corinthians 1, he wrote this, For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. So Paul connected suffering with salvation. He knew where it led. And again, he was a man that understood affliction. He was a man who understood suffering. Now, if you remember here in Psalm 1966, the psalmist wrote this, teach me good judgment and knowledge. And part of good judgment, part of understanding is to know where you belong. To remind yourself that you're not a citizen of, of earth, you're a citizen of heaven. And suffering helps us to understand that. I mean, how could we possibly take our fingers off of this world if it were not for affliction? Because the world is so enticing. It's right there for us. We can see it. We can touch it. We can have it quickly. But what affliction does is it reminds us that all of these things that we see around us are good and gifts from God, but they are very, very temporary. And suffering helps us to long for our real home where there will be no more affliction. There will be no more suffering. We will be free. And that's what God does through times like this. And so my... Listen, don't waste this pandemic. Use it as a wake-up call in your life. Don't just let it glide by and then try to return to normal without doing business with God because 
God is still at work. He's working around you. He's working in you. And he's calling you to a deeper relationship. And he's also reminding you that there's something more for you than what you see here. And in that place, when you're with Christ, all of this suffering and affliction will no longer be there. And there's a lot of hope in that, even during these difficult times. And then thirdly, really the capstone on this whole reason that God ordains, wills, or allows affliction like a pandemic is this. COVID-19 can cause you to enjoy God and seek His glory. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, that's, that's kind of like theoretical, not very practical. But I think one thing that we need to remember as followers of Jesus is that we are here to glorify God. That is why we exist. We exist to glorify God. We exist to enjoy God. We exist to draw others into a relationship with God. And it's so important that we get this. And if you look at that same section in Psalm 119, in verses 71 and 72, look at it with me. The psalmist again recounts how affliction caused him to lean into God's glory. In verse 71, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Isn't it hard to to even, in the midst of suffering, to be able to say, it is good for me that I was afflicted? The psalmist understood that he could move closer to God because there was affliction happening around him. It helped him to understand the Word of God. It helped him to understand God at a deeper level. Better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. This is what suffering and affliction does. It puts our priorities in order. When we're sailing along, we, we, we don't think like this. But when affliction strikes, God can do deeper things in us than we ever could have imagined. And then he, he reminds us of, of, of his greatness, of his goodness. He reminds us of his redemptive power in our lives. That doesn't just disappear the moment we are justified, but that the gospel continues to refine, continues to change, continues to transform. And he uses affliction even a pandemic, to do that kind of refining in our lives. And it's all for His glory because He knows that He's the best thing. He wants people to come to Him. He wants people to run into His arms. The first chapter of Ephesians is just rich with this kind of theology. In verses 5 and 6, In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself, as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace. Why are we adopted into His salvation family? It's for His grace and glorious goodness. So if we look at verses 11 and 12, in Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. 
And then in verses 13 and 14, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is why we exist. This is what God is doing around us. God is concerned about His own glory because He alone is worthy of our worship. He alone can help us escape the wrath of sin through believing in Jesus. He alone can lead you to joy and peace no matter what circumstances you're struggling with. And so maybe God is laying it on your heart right now. Hey, I am here. I want to help you. I want you to come to me. And not only will your life be enriched, but you can glorify me. And honestly, when you look around all the places that you can try to find contentment and joy and answers, all these people, all the circumstances, all the media, all the stuff, they're all pretenders. They're all posers. God is the only one that can give you what you want, can give you what you need. Paul David Tripp is a wonderful author. Here's what he writes about God's glory. Every part of God is glorious in every way possible. There's nothing more to be said. And because God is glorious in every possible way, he alone stands in the vast universe as the only one who is worthy of the worship, surrender, and love of every human heart that's powerful you know why it's powerful because it's true and this is why God is about his own glory he's constantly steering him to you and when your life comes crashing down when you've got nothing left to stand on when things aren't working out the way you want them to very often This is God with his hand out saying, come on, come with me, come deeper into my heart. But we wouldn't go there if we didn't need to cry out to God. And many of you are familiar with what it feels like when something happens in your life that shakes you to the core, when you get that knock on the door with news that you never, ever saw coming, when the phone rings in the middle of the night, when the doctor has words for you that shake you to the core. These things are life-changing. This is sudden loss. This is where life really hits the road. And so I've had that happen. And there's always a decision to be made. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? What road are you going to take? And what God is always doing in my life, he's saying, come to me. Just come to me. It's a calling. It's an asking. It's an invitation. Affliction is an invitation to come into the arms of God. And it's a beautiful invitation. And God is calling you to to find joy, to find contentment, and to glorify Him so others can find it. He's calling you into a deeper relationship. He's reminding you where your true home is. And through COVID-19, 
He's helping each of us understand that we are to live for His glory and find joy in Him and Him only. And so, finally, this morning, before we go to the Lord's table, I want to give you just some steps you can take in order during this confusing season that we live in, this maddening season, how you can move toward God. First, it's important that you trust that God is working out His purposes during COVID-19. God is not absent. God has not walked away. God is not overwhelmed. This virus has nothing on God. He's absolutely in control. And it's important to understand that and remember that because God's purposes are always ongoing and cannot be thwarted. They cannot be stopped. We always talk about Job when we talk about suffering, so why not today as well? Because these are important words. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And, you know, we, we throw Job's name around. Oh, yeah, Job, you know. Man, go read the first couple of chapters of Job. This is a real man who went through incredible affliction, yet here he is saying this. That during my affliction, I have no doubt, God, that your purposes are ongoing. This is what gives peace. And this is what reminds each of us. It doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter what party is in power. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are in our country. It doesn't matter if there's a pandemic or not. God's purposes will never, ever be derailed. God's purposes are always ongoing. Now, do we always understand? No. Is it sometimes confusing? Absolutely. But this is what faith is. Faith is believing what you can't see. And we can't always see the purposes of God, but we believe because the Bible tells us that this is who He is. So you can run toward God by believing in His sovereignty. Secondly, Believe that he's calling you to a deeper relationship with him. Not just your friend, but you. That the invitation is personal. He he wants you to come to him. And he's likely calling you to a deeper relationship, uh, relationship even through the uncertainty of these times. And I know that he's calling the church of Jesus Christ to a deeper relationship. There's no doubt in my mind that he's refining the church through COVID-19. And most of us, for the first time in our lifetimes, probably can see persecution just lurking around the corner. The the lines between government and church are getting more and more blurred. And we can see now that there may very well be a time in our lifetimes when they come to us and say, well, you can't preach this, you can't preach that, you have to hire this person, you have to hire that person. And what's going to happen is the churches that are committed to Scripture, that are committed to Christ, are going to shine. And they're going to be different. People are going to be drawn to them. And I believe Ridgewood Church will be one of those churches. And that's why we have to watch over our doctrine. We have to watch over our unity. Because hard times are coming. This is also why We have to look outward and not inward because people need the gospel. And we've talked about this is why we're 
starting this preschool. This is why we want to build this playground. It's going to be amazing. But it's not for any other reason than to draw children to a relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, we're called to this neighborhood. Can you imagine? Year after year, decade after decade, hundreds of children, thousands of children hearing about Jesus. That's exciting. This is why we've asked you to discover who your one person is that you're praying for, that that you're befriending, that you're waiting for an opportunity to share the gospel with. Who is your one? People have written names on these banners. I would encourage you to do that so that we all can be praying for that person. And this is why we want to connect you in small groups and in Bible studies and help you have a strong sense of a foundation while times are shifting and changing. Because the church is being refined. The true church will be just fine. I love it when I see headlines like, Christianity, you know, suffering or in trouble or something. That's nonsense. The church will always grow. The church will always thrive. It's a matter of who actually is the church. And I think Ridgewood will be there standing strong. But it's not just the church. There's there's a calling on your life. That affliction is clarifying. And John Bunyan was one of the one of the greatest men who ever lived. He was a Puritan author. He wrote Pilgrim's Progress. He he was imprisoned. He lost his wife. He suffered greatly. And here's what he wrote about this: Afflictions make the heart more deep, more experimental more knowing and profound, and so more able to hold, to contain, and bear more. This is what God does through affliction. And so in order to understand and thrive and to trust God, you must know that He has a calling on your life. He's calling you to Himself. He's refining you. And then finally, This is a time when you can humble yourself and run to Him so He can glorify Himself through you. So maybe in the midst of all of this craziness, God has been picking away at your pride. Maybe you're confused. Maybe all of your security blankets have been slowly disappearing. The country you thought you knew is slipping away. And you don't know what to do about that. You're afraid of getting sick. You don't want your friends and relatives to get sick. And so you're frozen. But maybe it's time to humble yourself so that God can do the work that he desires to do in you, so that he can bring you joy, so that he can bring you peace, and so he can further his kingdom through you. Because then your life will matter and you can rise above the fear. You can rise above the circumstances and you can find a place of safety. And when those rugs are being pulled out from you, you can just cling to God because he's not ever moving. God never changes. That's where you need to go. That's where you need to run to the arms of God. And he will hold on to you forever. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.